Well, Rich, we're back. Finally. I'm Paul Ford. Everyone missed us, I can tell. Yeah, I'm Paul Ford. I'm Rich Ziotti. There we go. We got it. We are all set. This is Track Change as the official podcast of the Postlight Product Studio in New York City. Based in New York City. Yeah, if you want to get in touch with us, email contact at postlight.com. We have a two-parter episode today. Yes. Recently on the show, we talked about video, just in general, and Facebook video in yeah. particular. And we got a lot of response about it. And it turns out that video is like the big subject. Well, you know, as you're describing this, you know, what's echoing in my head is how much media, lowercase generally, is obsessing over video because there's so much money there. That's the thing. You, there's a reason why video is everywhere, and that's because advertisers will pay yes. to put, in particular, like pre-roll ads, yeah. ads that appear before the video. You know, I'll tell you, if someone is talking to me sometimes... And this is going to sound obnoxious, but it happens. I'm not interested in what they're saying. I I might not know them that well, and they're telling me about their project or their life or something, and it's just not interesting. You're a little tuned out. I'm not only a little tuned out, but I think my brain has programmed itself. A little skip ad button shows up sort of below their right sleeve. Yeah, that's right. You just want to you want to get I wanna go 30, to the next se- thing. 30 seconds ahead talking about their kids. It's kind of terrible, actually. I can't sit through 90 seconds of someone telling me about their kids' ballet class. Well, we our relationships with media, like we don't talk about it very much, but we have these intensely personal relationships with media. And I think they shape us and they shape our tolerance. Oh, like the late show with David Letterman, right? Like people knew David Letterman. And they miss them. They miss them, right? And yeah. I, you don't really have those relationships with video and with like Facebook, but you kind of do too. But it's not like with Facebook. It's not even with the people who are using Facebook. It's like in the middle. I'm finding my willingness to stomach something of depth to sort of be diminishing. Let I, me ask I you a question. Have you ever, you ever quit Twitter? You know, I would no, I don't, I'm not a heavy Twitter person, so I wouldn't say there's... It's not a big event for me to quit it, like okay. to quit it. I mean, you're... I've seen you on Twitter. You're... you're A nice way to put it would be engaged. Engaged. You're pretty, you're pretty intense on Twitter. I get... Uh, it's a huge sense of relief every time I quit. I quit quietly. I don't do like a storm out. You don't announce it? No, because I figure the problem's with me, not with the world. Like, I just can't take it anymore. Yeah. I'm just like, this is all... I hate everyone. I find them excruciating. That's on me. That's actually yeah. not on them. They're yeah. just tweeting. Do you find yourself even processing what's happening? Sometimes I'm finding my thumb is just moving the stuff up. It's impossible with the election. Like the, I follow a couple hundred people, and that is so much signal. Most people follow, you know, a lot of people follow like thousands. It's impossible. That doesn't even make any sense. You're not getting anything of meaning at that point. No, like it's, just, it's just noise. So, it's just noise. You're just, yeah. Anyway, we're talking about video, and then later in the show, we're going to talk to someone named Dave Mendels. David Mendels, that's who, right. Who is that? He is the CEO of a company called Brightcove. What does Brightcove do? So Brightcove is probably the big player in, I guess you'd call it, private label or white label video platforms. So if you go to, and I don't know if this is the case, I think it is the case, that like if you go to ESPN and you hit play, ESPN didn't make their video player. And they didn't make the whole system that sticks a you know Toyota ad before it and tracks the analytic, all the tools that you need to run video. They're effectively leasing out Brightcove's technology. You know, and that's really what we should be talking about before he comes in the studio is 
how powerful and how big these platforms are that everybody uses. They're a big deal because there's a lot of money flowing there's through There's Breakove. There's one called Cinecore that we know. There's one called um, Akamai. Akamai is not a video platform. But it's though. cash. I think it also has video. I, th- I think video is a big part of the story for Akamai, but I think they'll cash anything. Right. So this is really interesting. Right? Like how do we differentiate between these worlds? A video file and a video streaming provider and a video whatever, Like these are just... Files. They're tools. They're tools. Well, they're right? tools to serve up those files and serve them up quickly, and and the experience to be really amazing. You know, as I'm thinking about the ESPN bit, it is a bizarre thing to get a video loading into the top of a page, and then an article. And because oh, if look, you go to ESPN, so many pages do that. And beyond ESPN too, it's a very strange like experience. Like, minute wait a minute, do I read? Video. Yeah. Or do I hit play on this video? What I are the words for? Usually, the video sort of encapsulates, they're usually short, one minute, 90 seconds. That's the other thing, I think. There's a general trend to videos just getting shorter and shorter. CNN does it as well. CNN also puts a video up top, and then there's an essay below. And it's imagine somebody, you know, you open your book, and then all of a sudden, somebody's standing in front of you, yapping in your ear while you're trying to read. It's very strange to me but you know what i don't think it's driven by user experience i think it's driven by sales just raw sales if you're a company that publishes things on the internet you have usually your own software or you're maybe licensing something that lets you compose articles that's your content management system yes you tend to have a pretty high degree of control over that yes and you compose the words in it and you publish them and so on if you host video you tend almost invariably not to have control over that. Almost invariably. You just a you use a, a different kind of service. Now, you create the videos. You put them in the service. Yes. But why is that? Why do people use these sort of platforms instead of building using ones that, you know, like getting some open source software called Video Hoster 2000? Well, there is a, actually a very, it's almost competitive at this point, is JW Player, which is has a pretty big presence in off-the-shelf turnkey video platforms. What do you use, use that for? What is that? That is, if you don't want to go the corporate route, you can get you know a license for JW Player, which is essentially just a player. It's an open source tool, right? It's and open source, but there's a pay model around, yeah, and it lets you like, skin it. So if right. you're... Like you Winamp. Know, like, sort of like Winamp. No, but I mean, what we're talking about here is that you literally are saying like, this rectangle on this page, I'm not going to have full control over that. The stuff here is going to come from some other place on the internet. Yes. And you do that also with online ads, you know, with banner ads and stuff. You don't, those rarely come from your company. You know, a lot of the pieces on the page don't come from you. Analytics. Anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Right? It's true. You might, Tons of stuff is flowing and poured in from other places. So. I mean, if you open a web page, any big site, let's say, I don't know, like the Times or, mm-hmm. or CNN, and you look at where stuff is coming from. Yeah. Your single homepage load might hit 30 or 40 different servers, like 30 or 40 different computers are involved in it making, could very well. making one webpage from it's all around exhausting. the world. It's yeah. exhausting. And it could take 20 seconds to load a, an article that has 600 words in it. It's kind of bananas. Well, it, this is where you see Google AMP pop up, right? Google AMP is a play instant towards articles. instant articles to, to, hey, enough with making people wait 12 seconds to, to see a few words. It's It got silly. Let's kind of all put it into one place. Yeah. Also, the ad blockers. A lot of people use the ad blockers not because of the ads. The ads, actually, it's it's become a lot better behaved out there. Like, if you look at what a, a New York Times article page looks, it's not bad. It's just the speed at which a page loads. 
by cutting out all that sort of under the hood third party stuff that's coming in. Yeah, because no matter what anybody does, it's easier to talk to one or two computers than 30 computers. Exactly. And that's the talking is being done by your that's web browser exactly right. or by your mobile browser or by your app or whatever. That's right. I mean, they did studies, but they didn't need to do studies. Like Facebook gets this, right? Instant articles. The fact that videos don't even, you don't, there's no play button. They just go. It's just me opening my gaping mouth and then just stuff pouring in. I mean, this is the great. Maybe there's a better way to say that. No, nah, it's the best way to say it. Well, Rich, right? Speaking of just consuming tons of video in a zombie-like fashion. So what are... What wait, are, there's a better way to connect this to the CEO of Bright Cove. So what our, listeners don't, <laughs> what our listeners don't know is that a minute ago, the door opened and someone walked in. Yes. And this is someone that Rich has told me a lot about. I've never, I've never met him before, but his name is David Mendels. Yes. And he is the CEO... Of Bright Cove. Hello. Good to have David, you. David, welcome. Thank you. Welcome. Thank you. We've been talking about video before you got here and cool. just about how it's it's just impacting everything we see. We have a lot of media clients and it's just a big deal. Um, so, so this is great. It's great we, to get this perspective. We yeah. can go right to the heart of video for the entire internet. So, all right. Bright Cove's in Boston. Our headquarters is in Boston. Okay. And how old is this company? 12 years old. What does it do? I assume I am a child. <laughs> um, we help people deliver video experiences. That is the one thing that Bright Cove does. Basically. I mean, that's the big thing. Yeah. I could explain a little more, but that's basically what we do. When you say people, what kind I of mean, people? I mean companies, but really almost any kind of company you can think of, or organizations. Media companies that obviously have a lot of video, mm -hmm. like Comedy Central or USA Today, mm -hmm. but also... Churches, the Mormon Church, brands like uh, Ford Motor Company or Bank of America, you know, really any kind of company, any kind of organization you can think of wants to communicate with someone, and video is a good way to communicate. So the Mormon Church comes to you, they go, we have thousands of hours of video. They have a lot more than that. More, okay. So an incredible <laughs> amount of video. Yeah. Things like church services. Yeah. Why, they, why well, wouldn't they use a YouTube? Why do they come to you? Like, what's the, what's the distinction here? Well, there's many things that they do, so I'll just talk a little bit about one aspect of what they do. Twice a year, they have what they call their general conference, which is 48 hours over the weekend of live broadcasting from Utah all around the world. It's got to be one of the most complex video production things anybody does anywhere. They deliver the video in 80 languages. Oh, my goodness. Simultaneously? Roughly. I mean, well, there's a little bit of a delay for translation. But wow. Yeah. So I, it, in that regard, it is the most global, most international thing I think anybody on the planet does. And, and when you think about what the Mormon Church is trying to do, it make, that makes sense. So they're delivering, you know, 24, 48 hours of live video streaming all around the world. And in real time, slicing that up into hour-long segments, into clip segments, and then putting that back up as VOD, video on demand. It's a really complex operation. They also use YouTube for playback for some mm -hmm, things, mm -hmm. but YouTube isn't anywhere close to providing them with sort of the enterprise workflows and the tools that they need to deliver this stuff. Got it. So but also, you, wait, wait, there's another key point here. YouTube puts ads on things. This is a church. They want 100% control of their experience. Got they it. don't want the YouTube brand. Yep. They can't go out and promote another brand. They've right. got to promote their own brand. Right. So if you go to this event, there's like a big classic video editing suite and people are just cutting and pasting video in, in there and, and like, like it looks like a newsroom it sounds like yeah yeah it, you know their operation looks 
like you know ABC, NBC, CBS kind of delivery. Wow, a little smaller. Interesting. But. Do they reach out and then you send someone who's like, okay, let's figure this out for you, or how's it, how's this work? It's a wide range. Our products can be consumed in lots of different ways. They're technical products. They're cloud services, if you will, so they can be consumed via an API. We have customers where a developer comes in and integrates us into a larger publishing system or a larger production system and goes and really almost never talks to us. We have other customers who want our help, and we sort of help them through all that and handhold them and the like. So there's lots of different ways that people can work with us. really depends on what they need and what they bring to the table in terms of how they want to use us, what skill sets they have. They could also use great New York development shops. I don't really know any, but uh, if we I were to know one. Yeah. All right. Well, since you mentioned, David. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we promote ourselves enough. We're terrible. Yeah. Um, but okay, so I go to a website on a Time Inc. property. You uh-huh. mentioned them. Uh, they're also a client of ours. Yeah. And you see a rectangle on that screen with some video in it. Right. What's happening inside that rectangle? So it sounds pretty simple when you call it a rectangle. Right. You know, it's a rectangle and there's also a triangle, by the way. That's a play button. So <laughs> sounds like there's not that much that's going on, but there's actually a lot going on. The video player has a lot of layers of software and policy. It, it's a mini operating system. It has to know what video to play, security or geo restriction rules. There may be other user experience things like what's coming before, what's coming after. Is there a bumper? Is there a, a recommended video or an end screen at the end? It has to know whether to start preloading the video so that when I hit play as a viewer, it starts instantly, or maybe I don't want to incur that cost, in which case I won't preload the video or some segments of the video. It then has to, in the case of a commercial media company like Time Inc., it's going to start by calling out to an ad server, Mm -hmm. like Google's DoubleClick, perhaps, or there's others out there, and getting an ad. And it has to then stop the video, play the ad, stop the ad, play the video. And there's a lot of technology in how that all works. Meanwhile, that same rectangle, if you will, it's a piece of code actually, is emitting beacons of analytics which are going in multiple directions. So you've got analytics that we provide on viewership, on geography, on platform. They may also be integrated with third-party analytics like uh, Omniture, Google Analytics. Uh, They might have created something custom with a service like Mixpanel or any of those things. They might be using other analytics like Nielsen and Comscore. So there's a whole range of things that can be plugged into that rectangle that add different kinds of value for a company like Timing. That's an incredibly good answer. That was great. I was going to say, you've talked about this before, I can tell. Well, it's a rectangle. I could have just said, you know, <laughs> right angles. Pretty colors. Yeah. And <laughs> um, we were talking about this before you, you arrived. The footprint of video and the influence of video in digital media is just growing. It's just continuing to expand. And I don't think that's driven by altruism. It's driven by money. There's really good money in video content. And we we know because we're being asked to build more and more video experiences. Well, I actually think it's being driven by consumers. Humans want to consume information, education, communications, religious information, whatever it is. Right. And most humans, for many things, prefer video as a format. Right. And therefore, there's money in it, not the other way around. That's fair. I didn't mean to make it sound sinister. No, no, I wasn't saying that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yes, yes, those are the drivers, but a Time Inc. or a, um, who we love, by the way, they're good people, are finding opportunities around that demand. Yeah, Uh, so you take an organization like Time Inc., you know, 100 year plus old 
company, great company, great yep. brands that built their empire entirely on print. Yep. And it turns out when you go to the internet, you can do text and you can sell advertising associated with that text. But advertisers will pay you a lot more for video. Yeah. That's what's driving it from. Why do you think that is? Perspective. Boiled um, down. Video has an emotional impact that static images and text don't have. People, you, you know, Paul Ford's a writer, by the way. You just, uh, you just that's, like that's put fine. a knife through don't, his heart. No, but. I've, I've made my piece. <laughs> when I say text, I'm not necessarily referring to literature, but whatever. Don't, um, don't worry about me. <laughs> don't, don't listen oh, to him. But don't the, um, but you know, people who are trying to communicate, and that's what marketing is. It's trying to get someone to be interested in something. For, you know, they want to create an emotional impact. They want to create a connection. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and video does that very well. Yep. And we have 70 years of TV history where people experienced what the power was of advertising on TV and creating a brand. Yep. And everybody wants to figure out, all right, how do I do that now yep. in the internet world? Sure. How does Brightcove make money? You mean you're not paying me for this appearance? No. <laughs> is, is that not <laughs> is how this, I do it? It's, I just, uh, all right. Well, let me, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we are a software company. It's pretty straightforward. So we build software for people to create these video experiences. And uh, they pay us to use our software uh, on a subscription basis. It's what's known as cloud software. Mm-hmm. If you're familiar with things like Amazon Cloud Services at AWS, you can think about us as a layer above that. So they sell computing, they sell storage, they sell database, they sell relatively low-level atomic kinds of computation and uh, value to people. And then we create a layer of we can convert videos from one format to another. We can play back videos. We can insert ads in videos. We can do analytics. On Sounds videos. like you do live, live streaming. We do well. live streaming as well, yes. Okay. Uh, are you on top of AWS, out of curiosity? Mostly, yeah. We also use Google Cloud uh, for really something. interesting. And we, interesting. when we started 12 years ago, we built our own data centers. AWS wasn't really ready. So your bill must be nasty as all hell when it comes in. Yeah. That's, fair. That's a fair <laughs> It's one statement. of his line items. Although yeah. I, I assume that Amazon gives you a phone call if things are going wrong, too, yeah. though. I, I'm imagining they know who you are. They know who we are, but it's a $10 billion business, mm. uh, the Amazon <laughs> Web Services. And so we are not a significant percentage of that. Interesting. Yeah. We inevitably end up talking about Facebook when we talk about media. Sure. Here. And video has become a pretty significant, if not prominent, I don't know, maybe because of my feed, it's part fun. of Facebook. I mean, yeah, Facebook absolutely. must be one of the largest video platforms in the world. Oh, absolutely. You know, maybe, you know, it only compares it's, to YouTube at this point, I'm guessing. Yeah. And well, it depends on how you measure large. In terms of actual number of bits delivered, it's probably Netflix. Okay. Well, YouTube okay. and then Netflix. Okay. And I got to say, I, something is broken in the experience. I'm just going to vent for one second. Yeah. I would see a panel that talks about a vigil for um, slain police officers followed by a 30-second video recipe for watermelon margaritas. It's complicated. It's really complicated. Yeah. It's not really a media experience. It's a feed. Yeah. When you say feed, I think of you. What's that? You know that scene where all the pigs are just eating out of the trough? Mm-hmm. I don't know what that scene is. What movie that is. <laughs> <laughs> it's a foreign film. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, you subscribe to the Criterion Collection on Hulu. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So teeing this up for you, David. Uh-huh. I mean, do you have a relationship with Facebook? What do you think of Facebook? We have a relationship with Facebook. Okay. The, the way I see it, we've seen media companies want to reach people where they are. They also want to keep control over the experience when they can. Yep. And so we have a view of the world that 
we should make it easy, frictionless, for a company to deliver their video content to any of those endpoints. So when you ingest a video into our product, our core product, Video Cloud, we can then help you play that back with our player on your website, in your iOS app, in your mm -hmm. Android app, on a Roku TV, on a Samsung TV, all these different things. But we can also then manage for you pushing that into Facebook, YouTube, Twitter. Oh, We can manage the release windows, the geo restrictions, the calls to action. Uh, we can uh, then get all those Got analytics it. from multiple social platforms and pull it all back together so that oh, that's you, really Time nice. Inc., can have a view of all your video views in multiple places. That's pretty cool. So if we were to take a point of view that we were just about how to play the video on your website, that would still solve a problem for people. Mm -hmm. But the real problem is, how do I show video to people who want to watch it? Yeah. And how do I show video on my website? Does Facebook terrify you? No. The great thing, in a self-serving way, about the fact that there is not just Facebook, but Facebook, and there's Twitter, and there's YouTube, and there's Snapchat, and the other, is that creates complexity for anybody who wants to reach an audience. Mm -hmm. And as a software company, we're here to solve complexity. So it creates an opportunity. If there was only YouTube in the world, or only Facebook in the world, yeah. there'd be a less complexity. It'd be easier problem to solve. We would be less yeah. valuable. I think you could drive a cult. He could lead a cult, <laughs> I think. He's, he's His responses are just dead on, and I'm trying to, I'm trying to you know, get well, him so can, I, can I take that as a compliment that you don't yeah. think we are a cult? Already. I don't no. think you are. That would be really interesting if Brian Cove was a cult. It's kind of actually <laughs> as a cult name, really. I mean, you just put a space, like, come to the Bright Cove. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Two words. Yeah, and there's just sort of like a guy yeah. with horns on just you yeah. know, in a little so light. So you're sitting, you're perched in an interesting place. You're, you're sort of watching this evolution or revolution video, you know, what's happening with video. You're seeing it happen, right? Because you actually get to sit above a lot of these verticals, a lot of these sort of brands and whatnot. What do you think is happening and where do you think things are going? I mean, I'll, as a consumer, I find myself watching videos I didn't even hit play on. And then after about 12 minutes, I'll notice there's like, there's dried spit on the well, corner let, of my let mouth. Me, let me reframe that a tiny bit. Like we're seeing from our vantage point, which is very specific and very small, but not broad, that there is all this interest in video. Is that over the last year or two, are you also seeing this like tremendous uptick? Yes. But it's, I'm not sure how much the slope of the curve has changed. We've seen incredible interest really from the beginnings. The use cases, the needs, the complexities, the platforms have changed. But the desire of a wide range of organizations to entertain or communicate or, or whatever, or teach uh, via video, that's near infinite. You can really apply it to almost anything. Yeah. What's happening, it's, you know, video being the most powerful media uh, medium that humans have created combined with the open Internet is uh, the two together enable this incredible proliferation of new forms of communication. And so it's just going to keep going. And, and the challenge is, all right, how do we continue to improve the quality of the experiences that people have consuming these things? And then also, in order for this to really happen, we have to continue to make it easier and much lower cost. If we instantly said, let's take all of broadcast video and put it over the internet, we'd break the internet today, and it wouldn't work. Mm -hmm. So there's still a lot of technology and things that need to get developed over the next five and 10 years for this to work. Do you see new kinds of sort of consumer or user-created video showing up? Is that sort yeah. of, that's sure. going to just keep growing? Yeah, I mean, so as a person who is not a millennial, which is I'm not, the most crazy thing from my perspective, although it's an incredible industry already, is esports. 
is people recording themselves playing video games, talking over it, and, and broadcasting that around the world. To me. The scale at which it's occurring. This is already a year or two old. Is that what it's called, by the way? Esports? That is what it, that's what it's being I did referred not to. Know. The the League of Legends Championship, I'm, I think this is over a year old. This might be from two years ago. I can't remember when I got this metric. Had more viewers than the Major League Baseball World Series and the NBA final combined. Unbelievable. To watch, Unbelievable. To watch people play League of Legends. And when you watch it, it's exactly what you think it'll be. <laughs> it's, it's people playing video games. Yeah. Like, I could watch my kids do it in the living room with the Xbox and the like. And, uh, it, but it's astounding. The, vo- the scale is um, really... So, so that's a form of user-generated video. There's obviously many, many forms, but... But just uh, a whole new world yeah. just shows up. Absolutely. Are we, are we losing our minds a little bit? I think it always looks that way, right? Like, it always looks like this new thing shows up and you're like, well, that's just impossible. Like, Pokemon Go shows yeah. up a couple weeks ago, right? Pokemon Go is cool, though. It's very cool. <laughs> it's very cool, but a lot of people are like, what is this nonsense? And, I mean, I, you know, I have, I have little kids. It was great. We ran, we ran around. Yeah. And we played Pokemon Go. But other people see a bunch of people walking around looking at their phones and are like, look at those losers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. It, it takes a while. It takes a while. That's yeah, very true. I, I, Pokemon Go, I think... They really did something. They weren't the first to do it, but the first to do it at scale where they combined moving around in the real world with this virtual experience on your device. And it's, a, it's wild to watch. My, I have a 13-year-old, walked over 10 miles last Saturday. Right, I checked right. his uh, steps on the, uh, on the iPhone afterwards. In over, the neighborhood? He asked me to drop him off in downtown Boston at, uh, <laughs> what's it, at the, the, the Duck Pond, right? The, uh-huh. the famous place. And mm-hmm. he basically traversed the entire city with a group of four 13-year-olds they went to the North End. They did the Freedom Trail. I mean, everything. Like, they saw the entire city. Well, they didn't actually look at anything but their phones. But <laughs> They saw none of the city, <laughs> no, in they fact. Saw, they saw but the they s- walked over 10 miles. They saw well, that's the city good. through their that's phones. That's amazing. No, yeah. they, they were ambiently in the city. I mean, most of the time well, you're in the city, they, you're not. But like, you're not looking up, right? No, but you're Probably. actually seeing it's mostly reality through your phone. And then there's a couple little animals superimposed. It works okay. Okay, <laughs> fine. We'll do it. We'll go All back right. to the office and play some Pokemon Go. Fine. I, I don't want to, I mean, we're no, a technology like a, company. I can't sound like no, an old like, curmudgeon there's a, here. There's like a Bulbasaur <laughs> by our bathroom. It's, it's that's okay. cool. Yeah, yeah, we're doing good. All right. <laughs> um, that's, a, that's our recruiting strategy. <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't thought of that. No, it's good. No, put Oh, your, that's a great yeah, idea. Set up a lure. We ought to put that on the... Yeah, we have a lot of open positions, by the way. <laughs> that. uh, uh, Actually, no, that's, let's hit pause for a second. Yeah. What are you looking for? Who should be getting in touch? We have a lot of different kinds of positions, uh, engineering, software development positions, uh, you know, to build things. People who know video encoding, people who know how to build, you know, web front ends or full stack developers. We have openings uh, working with our analytics team. Very complex, big data operation, you know, ingesting 20,000 events a second and then having to process that and manage that. Wow. So lots of engineering positions. We have sales positions in London, in New York, probably other places. I don't know them all off the top of my head. Got product marketing kinds of jobs in Boston. So wide range. So that is, that is the definition of a growing company, That what you just said there. That's yeah. very interesting. Okay. We added 50 people so far this year. Oof. Oh, wow. Okay. Wow. That's good considering how difficult it can be to find people. Yes. It is Very, hard. And the fact that not everybody stays forever, which we've tried to lock them down, but you can't. No. No, they no. want to have lives and, and live them. We, yeah. we, we run into that situation yeah. as well. You just yeah. let them go. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they talk about Yellowstone. What are you going to do? That's when somebody is like shopping for a backpack with a lot of compartments. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. We should really block REI at the office. That's the, <laughs> exactly <laughs> when they're when they're thinking of that hiking trip. There's a question <laughs> I really like to ask people when we talk to them, which is, um, you are the CEO of a software company, 
What do you do all day? That's a good question. If I tell you, people might know. I could be fair. Very <laughs> yeah. fair. You can I, dodge it if you like. No, no, no. I, I, I divide my time roughly between three sort of broad categories of things. If you looked at me, what I do all day is I'm on the phone or I'm in meetings or I'm walking around my office. I walk around a lot. I don't sit still much. This is the longest I've sat for a long time. Anyway, the, um, but there's roughly three things. Minutes. I'm either um, dealing with customers, mm-hmm. sort of existing customers or new sales where talking to them about what we're doing, what their problems are, trying to resolve issues, whatever. Uh, or I'm working with the product engineering team and talking about what are we building, how's it going, what are our plans, what have I heard from customers, what are they hearing from customers, where are we going next? So sales, product, and then the last is my least favorite, but it's an important part, is talking to um, investors, uh, dealing with the, you know, the financial side of the company, understanding where we are, we're also hiring people. When, oh, in the mode we're in, a, a good chunk of time goes into recruiting. How many hours yeah. are in that day? A lot. Yeah. I, I don't know, you know, a lot. I, yeah. I, I don't turn off very much. Understood. So I, I, I don't sleep a lot, and um, I like my job. So I, I'm on a lot. Um, again, going back to, you know, being where you are as Bright Cove and sort of sure. getting a nice perspective on, on video in the world, where do you think things are going? Like, what, what's the experience like in two years, four years? based on what you're hearing people want to do and maybe the technology isn't there or sure. it's sort of taken shape? It's, it's hard to answer that in a simple way because there's um, so many different things that are happening. So I think we're going to continue to see the movement of video online into a wide range of a la carte niche and general OTT services, subscription services and the like that are going to continue to disrupt traditional entertainment distribution models. And effectively, what we're seeing at the broadcast level of video, and there's so many different kinds of video that you got to really think about this differently, is everybody's now really planning on a future where everything is IP delivered and broadcast goes away. And, tell our, and how tell our readers what that means, or listeners what that means, actually. Um, it, you know, it's sort of a fundamental rethinking of the infrastructure of broadcast to be internet first, mm-hmm. not... We're going to broadcast stuff and then take that file and let it retranscode it and then put it back out into video. But everything will be internet first. So yeah. that's just a foundational thing that's happening. I mean, my cable, I've had this debate with my wife probably every three months. My cable bill is $200 a month. Mm-hmm. I think I watch two channels. Well, maybe so, three. so I think there, it's very interesting. And I, I have no idea how it will end, but a lot of people feel that way. They watch three channels, four channels, five channels. They spend 125 bucks or maybe $200 a month. And so the presumption is, I'm getting 500 channels and paying $200. If yep. I could just get the three or four I want, it would only cost me 20 Yeah. And it doesn't work like that at all. <laughs> right. um, and right. the reason you're able to get all those channels is that most of them aren't worth very much, but they're bundled in and you, you, know, it's a, yeah. you got scale. Deep and so cable. If, 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 you de- if you unbundled and you decoupled all of those things, you would end up spending as much or more in many cases. Yeah. And then on top of that... There's all this other video that you consume in your life, and a lot of the people creating that video, that aren't necessarily the TV channels you watch, but if you go to Time Inc. or you go anywhere else, and a lot of those companies are struggling with their business model. Can I make enough money with advertising, given the fragmentation of audiences and mm-hmm. the fact that so much of the ad dollars are being accrued into just a few companies in the world, Google, Facebook, primarily? Mm-hmm. So they're all experimenting with subscription-based models. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So everything you watch in your life, somebody's going to try and tell you you should spend $5 a month for. It's right. going to... If it keeps going in that direction, it's very quickly going to be a lot more than $200 a month. Interesting. And, um, and then 
you're going to see the pendulum swing the other way where there's going to be aggregation again in bundles because that's the way you can put this stuff together in a mm. way that makes sense. The great news, though, is it's leading to the golden age of content because all these people are competing to create the winning subscription service. Yep. So Amazon's spending huge amounts of money. Netflix is spending huge amounts of money. Uh, HBO is. And they're creating all this great content. Yep. I worry about what happens when the pendulum swings the other way if we'll continue to have such a golden age. Yeah, it's we're in the middle of change, right? Yeah. Pretty dramatic change in terms of how things are structured and where content comes from and where it ends up and, and the like. And there's a lot of work right now. There's just a ton to do. There's a ton to do. Because it is, I mean, I think there is that activity that's sort of kind of happening even in between the spaces, in between the big players. People are getting funded to, you know, put together a five-hour thing. Well, Absolutely. There's all kinds of great stuff being yeah. created. What Very I'm trying cool. to wrap my head around is, is sort of relevant to what you said earlier is that you have these big editing suites and you have these sort of files moving around that are basically sort of inheriting their, their structure from recording on videotape or recording on film. And now... The world's going to look more like Facebook Live, but all these channels kind of coming together and being mixed and, and cut up kind of in real time, kind of not like there's yeah. all that stuff. And that's such a really fundamental shift. That's like the difference between uh, the New York Times in 1997 and Twitter today. Like that's yeah. a huge difference. Like the whole idea of um, creating a channel is something that 15 years ago you were talking about millions of dollars of capital up front to create something like that. And now you can create a virtual channel and software where you're dynamically assembling clips into a 24-7 stream for effectively, you know, approaching nothing. Incredible. I still want out of that bill, though. I, yeah, we'll get you there. Yeah. No, you won't. No, we, I don't know if I'm going to get out of it. You're not going to get out of it. In order to create the content that you like, so far there's only two ways that people have figured out how to fund that. They can sell you a subscription, like HBO, or, or they can put advertising on it. Or both. Or both, exactly, like Hulu uh, and the like. And so you're going to pay for it one way or the other, or it goes away. Yeah. That's the challenge. I mean, you have a lot of interest among consumers and ad blockers because, yeah. so, frankly, there have been a lot of terrible advertising experiences created on the internet. Yeah. And hey, if I can block it, why wouldn't I, whether it's terrible or not? Yeah. And yet, it fundamentally breaks the social compact that we've had for, in, yeah. with TV for 100 years, which is, yeah, you know, you're giving me this TV content for free, but in exchange for that, I watch whatever it is, uh, seven, eight minutes every half hour of commercials. Right. And- if you don't accept that, you have to pay for everything or you don't get it. Yeah. At yeah. some point it breaks. We're seeing that kind of tension kick in now. Right. You got these sort of, you know, the ad block messages that come up. It's like, yeah. I see you're using an ad blocker. Can I talk to you for a second? About what great journalism <laughs> Could you come over here it? for a minute? I want to talk to you about yeah, something. It, it, <laughs> I really feel like it's, a, it's an issue for fundamentally for a free society. Mm -hmm. That if people only get content that they pay for explicitly then you have no shared culture, you have no shared journalism, you have no open flow of news and information that is necessary for a healthy society, democracy, culture. So an ad-based model kind of has to work, and yet ads suck. And so I think that's really a fundamental question yeah. that I don't have the answer to, but maybe you guys could No, I mean, this is when I talk to people who are talking about how to save publishing, which everybody always thinks they have a thesis, I'm like, better advertising experiences would be your for the best path. Right. And everyone is entirely demoralized. I'm like, no, but that's the real business. You know, I, the paper was always subsidized. You, you were getting Absolutely. This, right. you know, this, this very heavy piece of pulp yeah. that was actually subsidized by the, you know, the dress ads and the, the hi-fi ads and stuff. Right. The problem is that the marginal cost of creating a new city newspaper was high enough that even in a big city, you were only going to have two. Right. Whereas um, the marginal cost of creating another website with some interesting content about Donald Trump is zero. And yeah. so... 
the competition for those ad dollars and for those viewership is it's not Spot. even it's not even an order of magnitude different. It is a different phase. It's a fundamentally different problem than it's we had in the arena legacy publishing world. Yeah. I'm going to ask a really dumb question, but you might have a perspective on it. I've never thought about this before, but you know the, the content that we're seeing on like a Twitter or a Facebook is highly atomized video, like 30, 60 seconds, and then we're we're seeing these enormous digital successes with episodic things like Game of Game Thrones. Thrones yeah. When you think about episodic versus like snacks, first, is there a name <laughs> for the short video? Yeah, that snackable video. That's a phrase I've heard. Is um, that a, that the phrase? Yeah, that is a phrase. I don't hear it a lot. I don't think it's really completely caught up, but certainly it's uh, it's used some. I've it's real. It. It's yeah, definitely totally a phenomenon right now. I mean, there are people make. I mean, even newspapers like the New York Post is yeah. putting together twenty five second videos. Yeah. Because they that's, assume you're going to fly by on the Facebook feed. No, that's just what's happening. That, you, that's Brightco from New York Post. Oh, oh okay. Go. Now, yeah. do you guys host a lot of the longer episodic video? We do, yeah. Short form, long form. We do very wide range, uh, every, anything you can think of. Yeah. Now, do you think about them differently as a company, or are they kind of the same thing, but one's longer? There is some different technology and different things we have to do. It's not so much that we interact with them in some fundamentally different way, but for example, for the folks that are distributing content from you know, ABC, CBS, NBC, Disney, you know, Fox, uh, HBO, especially outside the U.S. Our business is very international. Mm -hmm. They need to apply different security, digital rights management to all of that content. Mm -hmm. that's, that's the part of the license contract that you do when you do a deal with the U.S. studio. And so there's a whole bunch of work we have to do and our customers have to do and things they have to pay us for, we have to pay other people for in order to supply that whole layer of technology. Also with long form, you have other interesting technical problems like putting a pre-roll on an ad, it's a reasonably hard problem. Putting a mid-roll in a piece of uh, long-form content is a much harder problem. Sure, I've noticed um, skipping back and forth. And there's so all, you know, and what do you do if someone scrubs past it? Do you snap back to the ad pod? There's a whole bunch of things you have to figure out, both from a technical Ugh. and user experience point of view. Yikes. Analytics, people care about uh, some different things, and so on and so forth. So there's some differences with long-form content, sure. David, this has been amazing. Uh, I really enjoyed this. Do you want to share a coupon code? with our audience before we uh, end the show. 20% off. <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, if, if, if you reference this podcast, we'll give you um, a, a really good donut. When oh, you, that's great. Yeah. That's actually more than most of our listeners wow. have ever gotten from uh, anything. I, actually, I was, I was with a customer this morning, and apparently one of our competitors shows up with donuts on a regular basis. So oh, now I'm, I'm, offering, I'm offering donuts to anybody who calls me and says they heard this podcast. Yeah. Just use the, use the code POSTLIGHT. <laughs> okay, yeah. Well, There's not even a box to enter it into. <laughs> thank you so much for your time, thank David you. Mendel. And uh, if people want to get in touch with you, is there a good way? Twitter. LinkedIn. LinkedIn, LinkedIn is probably the best way to do okay. it. Yeah. Look Just uh, message me on LinkedIn, and um, I will hopefully get to that quickly. Well, Rich. Paul. We did it again. We did. This was great. It was great. I learned an enormous amount. Did you learn a lot? I learned a ton. I learned. I have a ton to think about. Video is big and complicated. Yeah. I was going to go back to work, but I think I'm going to go straight home and just lie down. I'm just going to go buy a camera and start <laughs> live streaming everything. Uh, this has been Track Changes, the official podcast of Postlight, a product studio in New York City. You can get in touch with us at contact at postlight.com very nice email address we answer you can just say hi by the yeah, way yeah we actually we get lots of emails we love and we're going to start reading more of them on the show I'm Paul Ford Rich Ziotti and we're very grateful to our guest David Mendels who is the CEO of Brightcode thank you very much bye everybody bye bye <laughs> <laughs>